tonight. If you will, please take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 if you're not there already. And as you're doing that, just wanted to give my personal condolences to uh, the Susick family, both John and Bob and their children, their wives, Nancy and Kathy. So very sorry about that. Certainly the Norris and Jasco families will continue to pray for you as well. Um, I know there's going to be a funeral uh, details coming out here in a little bit for that. So be looking for, for that in your, your church email section. Also, I wanted to mention uh, that the uh, another thing to be thankful for is the, the Christmas offering is off to a great start this year. Uh, we have, I think, today left. Is that right? Uh, before, before the clock turns to 2024, the date does anyway. And uh, just wanted to praise the Lord that it looks like, you know, and my math might be off. So, but it looks like we're actually, uh, we hit our goal for the Christmas offering. So um, just remember now that anything over that $60,000 Christmas offering, anything uh, that we uh, give towards that, towards the end of the year, will go for advancing uh, our mission uh, according to the budget at Grace Church of Mentor. And so that'll be a tremendous Tremendous thing to uh, begin the new year, uh, spilling over from the Christmas offering into that. And uh, we look forward to seeing what God will do. So um, it is amazing to me. Um, you know, I, I, am, I am human just like everybody else. And uh, Pastor Tim, in his wisdom, has always had these really lofty goals. At least they seem lofty to me. And and midway through, I'm like, I don't know if we're going to be able to do it. Did you ever feel that? I felt that last year. I felt that the year before. But the Lord is just faithful through you folks. And it is amazing to me. So thank you for participating. Thank you for considering that and for worshiping the Lord well as uh, we round into 2024. Um, and so we will take some time to pray. But before we do that, I do want to dive into our text a little bit this morning. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, verse 30 is really where we're going to focus our time and our, our attention. And frankly, uh, we're going to expand our focus a little bit into the entirety of the epistles. And uh, I see the clock, and we will not be here till it is 2024. Um, I have four simple points this morning, but I hope will be helpful as we really look in the past, in thankfulness to what God has done for us, like Pastor Mike led us in prayer, and as we look to this future year, being in Christ together, and what he will do through us, and I, I hope it'll be a helpful time uh, to set our minds and our hearts and our passions and our desires together as a church family with one voice according to the scripture, and I think this will be a helpful, uh, a helpful exercise for us this morning in God's word. So verse 30, Paul reads, or writes, and we read, but by his doing, that is God's, the Father, doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, so that, just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. You know, there's not much for us as Christians to boast about is there outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. And 
In fact, Paul says all of our boasting, all of what we have to glory in, indeed, is in the Lord. And so perhaps there is no greater expression in the Christian life, there certainly is no greater expression of our identity than these words, by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus. These are familiar words to almost all of us in this room. They happen on such regular occasion, don't they, in the scriptures? In Christ, in the Lord, in him, in Jesus our Savior. We may have lost at times the wonder and the depth and the majesty behind such short, such common, such familiar words, much like Christmas gifts that lose their sparkle as they become familiar and common to us. These words, by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, are common. They must be common in the sense that they underpin the entirety of the Christian faith. We start our faith with God's doing in us, his working in us, his calling, his drawing us to himself. We live our faith praying in Jesus' name, writing cards and letters and emails, signing them in Christ, going to church on the Lord's Day, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit because we have been united with him and in, in, with, in baptized in Christ. We celebrate the Lord's Supper, doing this in remembrance of the Lord. We worship and sing in the Lord. So these are common words to our everyday Christian life. These are familiar words. And as I said, we often read them in the epistles. I just want to demonstrate that for you in uh, several of the epistles that Paul himself pens, including this one. He says to the churches... And he reminds them. He starts each epistle saying, You are in Christ. Look at verse 2. To the church of God, which is in Corinth. To those who have been sanctified. What? In Christ Jesus. You don't have to turn there, but I'll just peruse through. In Ephesians, Paul says, I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ. Christ Jesus. In Philippi, he says to them, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, to the saints faithful brethren in Christ who are in Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. These words set the stage for all of the epistolary doctrine. That is, all the, all, the, all the letters that were written. We have the Gospels that tell us about Jesus' life, His words, His ways. We have Acts that gives us the amazing start, the history of our church. We have Revelation that is somewhat of an epistle and, 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 and something a little bit more. But in between there, there is a great deal of doctrine that that is underpinned as letters to churches like you. Paul says that there is nothing that can be understood or enjoyed, my friends, outside of these simple but profound words that you are in Christ Jesus. It is the stage by which the New Testament is written. You know, if, 
If you've gone to see some plays or some dramas over the holiday season, you know there are different kinds of, of, of dramas. There are different kinds of theater. There may be one stage, but on that stage, you can have different ways to tell the same story. One of them can be through a play, right? And a play utilizes dialogue, it utilizes character, and characters actually have a conversation with each other, and you kind of know what they're saying, hopefully, if it's in English. Unless it's Shakespeare, and then you know half of what they're saying. And then there's, there's musical, right? Whether it's more of the, the, the musical genre or, or opera, there, there, is, there is play, there is, there is a story through what? Music, right? And, and you, you can follow along with the story. Sometimes you're wondering why that person's going, ah, all over the place. What does that have to do with anything, the story? But finally they get to it. You know? And then there's something that I've been introduced to as a girl dad. It's this foreign thing. Have you ever heard of it? Ballet. <laughs> now, if you don't know the story before you go see a ballet, at least in my, <laughs> in my neck of the woods with my intellect, there's not a whole lot of hope for you to understand what's going on. You laugh because either you think I'm foolish or you think I'm right. I don't know what it is, but you continue to laugh because I like laughter. But the reality is, 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 is that they're, they're great art forms, and each one has its, its, its method at which it tells the story through music, through drama and dialogue, or through dance. My friends, my point to you this morning that I want to make is the entire New Testament is centered around the stage and front and center, center of this stage is in Christ Jesus. And so the epistles in particular assume the status and identity of the reader as one who is in Christ Jesus. The promises of the epistles are those who are in Christ, are for those who are in Christ Jesus. The commands for holy and obedient living are for those who are in Christ Jesus, nobody else. And exclusively the hope that the epistles provide of Jesus coming back are for those who are in Christ Jesus and him alone. Consider that it is the failing of religion that dismisses the stage that is set in the New Testament in this area. Religion is not overwhelmed with being in Christ. It is, it is seeking to overwhelm you with a way to get into Christ. Something the New Testament knows nothing about. The only true actors on the stage of the New Testament are those who belong to the, here, and I'm going to use a, a fancy play word, right? The troop of those who are in Christ Jesus. Religion replaces the true actor's guild of those who are in Christ with something other than that. It may be the church, something very much familiar in the New Testament, but it may make you go through the church to get into Christ. And the New Testament, my friends, knows nothing of that. It may be the sacraments. It may be a, phil a philanthropic ideal it may be prosperity, it may be good intentions, it may be good people. But religion is just as out of place on the stage of the epistles as 
ballet is to a drama. And for those of you who are lost like me on that, you'll understand this one. Right? You cannot play basketball on a baseball field. It just doesn't work. It never will. You'll be out there scratching your head the whole time. And my friends, that's the reality of those who try to go God's to try to get to God, but yet are not in Christ and in Him alone. It fundamentally cannot work. And so I want to look at this emphasis. It's not ornamental or flowery words when, when the epistles say, in Christ Jesus, you are sanctified in Christ Jesus. You have access through him in Christ Jesus. No, these are not flowery or ornamental words. But as one pastor said, it is no symbolic form of speech, but the statement of a fact as real in regard to the Spirit as the fact of our being in the world is in regard to the body. By his doing, you are in Christ Jesus is a prerequisite and a summary of the Christian life. And I want to consider how this summary is a good recalibration for us as we march into 2024. As we think about living a new year in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are four areas of the Christian life that we're going to look at this morning that are really underpinned vitally by this doctrine of our unity in the Lord Jesus Christ. These are, perhaps we could consider them four proofs for you this morning of whether or not you are in the Lord Jesus Christ. These four proofs of being in Jesus Christ ought to be celebrated. They ought to strengthen our faith and they should, they should be relied upon as we walk into this new year. So the first doctrine that is underpinned, my friends, by this, this wonderful concept of being in Christ is salvation. So take your Bibles with me, if you will, in a moment and turn to Colossians chapter 1. Uh, we're going to be skipping around the epistles, as I've mentioned already this morning. Jesus speaks of this salvation. He, he speaks of it in the Gospels pretty clearly. As we've been studying John, he certainly has said things like, I did not come to the, judge the world, but what? To save the world. We've heard his invitation to believe that whoever believes in me is not condemned and should not perish but have everlasting life. He's told us the means, or at least John the Baptist declared the means by which he's providing the salvation when John the Baptist says, Behold what? The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It's through the sacrifice. Jesus himself says that he must be lifted up and he's referring to being lifted up on the cross. And so the salvation Jesus speaks of is further described and defined for us in this, this body of doctrine contained in the New Testament epistles. For instance, follow along with me and try to see if you can figure out as many references as I mention here. We're not going to be turning to them. God has set forth, describing our salvation, God has sent forth to be a propitiation for sin in Jesus Christ by the blood through faith. And we are justified by his blood and reconciled to God through the death of his son. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. As a result, we who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Because God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf 
so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Paul speaks of Christ redeeming us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Christ himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we are redeemed with the precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. The result is clear according to the scriptures. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from what? All sin. And so now we find ourselves in Colossians chapter 1. And we see that this, this salvation that is offered to you and to me is only found in Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, Paul writes this, For he, God the Father, rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And notice, who is it that has to rescue us? It's not another man. It's not even a body of men or an organization of men or women. It's not yourself. Who is it? It's God the Father. Only He is able to rescue anyone from the domain of darkness. And you know, sometimes people don't want to be rescued. They don't want to leave the domain of darkness. They see no need for it. You know, it's kind of like that picture that I have this picture in my mind anytime I think about this concept of the Titanic going down and the orchestra playing as the deck is just tilting upwards and upwards and as things are just sliding down, people are just sitting there listening to the music as if nothing is happening. But my friends, sometimes you and I who have been rescued from the domain of darkness, sometimes we want to step back in to that domain, don't we? We have to remember that this darkness is death. Elsewhere, Paul calls it spiritual death. And it is the absence of God. And it's helpful for us to remember that God the Father rescued us from the domain of darkness. And what did he do? He had to transfer us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. There's only one way that that can happen. It's through his beloved Son. That's what Paul says. It's through his son, Jesus Christ. In his son, we have redemption. We were literally bought out of sin. We were bought out of and taken from the domain of darkness. And we were bought out with the Savior's blood. His death. Pastor Mike mentioned this already. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Most of you don't need to turn there. Paul says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, what? He is a new creature. If I'm in Christ, I cannot exist anymore as a creature that could exist in the domain of darkness. Right? Think about that. There's no way that a creature, and I'm not talking about vampires here. Okay? What we're talking about is spiritual death. And how can a creature that can exist in spiritual death continue to exist with spiritual life? The answer is it's impossible. It can't happen. That's why God has to do it. And that's why you have to be a new creature in Jesus Christ. Paul says that old things have passed away, and behold, my friends, marvel 
at the fact that all things become new in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a powerful thing. And so I just want to ask you the question this morning. If you are in Christ Jesus, does your life demonstrate that fact? Because if you are in Christ, you are a new creature. And you can only exist so long without breathing. And what are the means of breathing for this new creature life? One of them is the Word of God, isn't it? You know that one well, don't you, those of you who are in Christ? Maybe this break for some of you, particularly students, the, the being off structure has caused you to be off structure and you're reading a little bit and you know how much you need to desperately get back into the reading of God's Word. Another area of breathing for this new creature reality is prayer. And it is hard for any length of time to pray in our fast-paced thinking world, isn't it? But it's so necessary. Another exercise of new creature life is what you're doing this morning. Being with the body of Christ, worshiping the, the Christ who died for you and for me. There are many other ways of of living a new creature life in the Lord Jesus Christ, those are certainly some of them as we, as we move on. So Jesus wants us to be strong in our salvation because we are new creatures, completely new. And the second doctrine proving our position that we are saved and in Christ is sonship, is sonship or daughtership. Theologians didn't quite have that that down yet, but it's really the same thing. Sonship or daughtership, being a family with the Lord Jesus and the Father in heaven. And so this is the next great doctrine of the scriptures where we learn the great benefits of those who are in Christ. It's the concept of being a child of God. If you are in Christ, you are, listen to this, are you ready? You may not feel like this after you look at your credit card bill in January. But you are an heir with God. You are an heir. Can you take your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 4 with me? We are positionally in the family of the Father of the universe. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. Paul reminds us here that when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who are under the law. And here it is. That we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters because you are sons God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts crying Abba Father therefore you are no longer a slave but a son and if a son then an heir through God see adoption here is a positional term for sure 
providing all the rights and privileges that a biological heir would have. In this case, my friends, it's not just any position. What heir are we being adopted with? What inheritance? With no less than the Son of God himself. And so we claim the Father just like the Son claims the Father. This ought to help us to walk into this new year with all the confidence that we can have in the Lord Jesus Christ, that we are his and he is mine. You know, just this morning I was upstairs in my office and we have little children and they, they love to get up and they love to play. And so uh, my one daughter, Liliana, she was downstairs with Olivia and, and apparently she, she hit herself. She kind of goes a little too fast and she, she tends to run into things. <laughs> and so she hit herself this morning. She ran into something with her knee. And she was just crying, Mommy, Mommy. They don't really cry for Daddy. I think it's because Daddy typically doesn't come. Uh, but what, what Liliana didn't know is that Mommy was two stories up. She was in the second floor, and, and Liliana was in the basement. So there's a floor in between, and Mommy can't hear. But Daddy could hear. And So finally, Daddy pulled himself away, thinking, well, Mommy's not coming. And I knew the cry. The cry was not a real cry. You know the difference between a real cry? Yeah, okay. So it's not like I'm abusing my child. So I walked down the stairs, and of course, I love on her. And, and I said, sweetie, what's wrong? And she said, Daddy, I hit my knee, and as soon as I touched it, and as soon as she told me, she stopped crying. She wasn't really that hurt, at least anymore. But what did she want? She wanted her father or her mother but she wanted, to be know, she wanted to know that someone, what, cared and could and would help if needed. My friends, that's the position that you and I have with our Father in heaven. There is no hurt. There is no trouble. There is no disease. There is no suffering, there is no pain, there is no grief that is too great or too small for the Father in heaven to comfort you. You are a son and a daughter. And you are in Christ. Let that work into you this year, no matter what comes, that you are a son or a daughter. And look at the, the effectual reality of that in verse 6. Because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son, Christ in you, through the Spirit, as you are in Christ. And He cries on your behalf, Daddy, Father. What a sweet, tender relationship we have because... We are sons and daughters of the Father in heaven. You know, families look different. And sometimes families collide over the holidays, don't they? And it couldn't be clearer that this is my family. 
and this is your family, right? One family gives each other the silent treatment. Okay, this is going to be a little personal, so you can decide which family that is. Is that the Sindelar family, or is that the Charlotte White side? Right? Then the, and I'll, help, I'll help you out. The other, the other side of the family, when they, they want to express themselves, they express themselves. <laughs> right? I mean, and sometimes, I, and I can remember early on, as Charlotte and I are married, I'm, I'm expressing myself, and I'm having a good time doing it. And Charlotte thought I was angry and mad and upset. And I probably was at times. And I needed to learn to be gentle. But there were times that I was just, just being Steve Sindelar. And she had, to, she, she had to learn and I had to learn that we came from different families and, and the way that we do things are different. Families are going to look different and they're going to have different values, right? And as you walk into 2024, you are part of the family of God. You are a child of God. Have different values, Look for ways this year to be in Christ and to be uniquely His. Don't get so caught up with the bustle. Don't get so caught up with the, with the ideas of this age. They are fleeting. And most of them, if not all of them, are antagonistic too. They are energized by, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us, by the, by the, the prince of the power of the air himself energizing these ideas. So don't get caught up in them. Don't get railroaded by them. My friends, you've been faithful, and I, I beg you to continue to be a faithful child of God in 2024 and act like one. What a grand privilege it is to be in God's family, isn't it? And so our third doctrine not only describes the, the sonship, the salvation, but our third doctrine describes the practice of those who are in Jesus Christ. Something that we are doing right now, and that is worship. Worship. The response to those who are in Christ Jesus is to worship God. So you're sitting there this morning, and you're, 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 you're interested in asking yourself, am I in Christ? Do I have salvation by Him and by Him alone? Do I enjoy the privileges of being a son or a daughter, a family member, a child of God? And, and, then, and then am I practicing in worship in Christ? The response to those who are in Christ is to worship God, but the scriptures present a challenge to worship, don't they? That challenge is is that ever since Adam's fall, we have been separated from God. Israel sought desperately to worship God, didn't they? Sometimes they were so desperate to worship God, they actually stopped worshiping him, like when they worshiped the golden calf. And many other times. You know, Israel, they, 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 their worship... <laughs> You know, if you were to walk in today as, an, as a Jew worshiping God to the temple, the scenery and the smells of this place would be altogether different, wouldn't it? There would be blood splattered everywhere. And there would be rooms that you and I could not get into. And, and only some of us could go into, and only one of us could go into one time a year. There was limitations to the access that they had. But my friends, not so in Christ. Not so through the perfect Lamb of God 
the once-for-all sacrifice. And those who worship God can only worship Him in spirit and in truth that is found in Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, the life, right? Take your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Paul says in Ephesians here that we have a great access to God the Father. And you know, he's, he's, he's elucidating this access. He's, he's describing this ask, ask, access in kind of a contrary way. He's, he's giving a little bit of a division between the Jew and the Gentile here in Ephesians chapter 2. And the Jew was the one who had all the promises. They had the lineage. They had Abraham and Isaac. They had the forefathers. They had the covenants. They had the law. And so for the Jew, it is really unspeakable, frankly, for a Gentile to be able to have access, the same kind of access to their God. Their God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, Paul says, For through him, that is Jesus Christ, or in him, we both have our access. And that both is talking about the Jew and the Gentile. We both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. You and I, before the Lord Jesus Christ, were strangers and aliens to God. And before you and I were in Jesus Christ, we were strangers and aliens to God. And we did not belong in God's household. But you and I, in Jesus Christ, have access through the Spirit we don't have to worry about making sacrifice to get there. We don't have to worry to be good enough. And this is where religion is, is, so, is so feeble in its attempt and so fickle in whether or not it is successful because it doesn't need a sacrifice again and again and again. And, and religion today may not sacrifice with blood, but they seek to sacrifice. And some of you, you're still caught up in the, in the fact that, that you feel like you have to do something or be something to get to God. And my friends, you don't. All you need to do, all you need to be is in Christ Jesus. And that's by God's doing. And God's alone. And so we have access, unparalleled access, unthinkable access from the Jews' standpoint. Do you take that access for granted? Now, I know that our service goes an hour and 15 minutes instead of an hour. And some of you are looking like, I hope it's just an hour and 15 minutes. And I get it. We live in a different age, and, and we've got to be visual, and, and we're trying to figure all those things out as, as Christians living today. But my friends, this unparalleled access that we have ought to at least demand an hour and 15 minutes of attention from us to give to God, shouldn't it? Do you know? 
do you know what the Jew had to do to even get to the temple gate, let alone into the temple? And then what they had to do in the temple to get through the temple? This was not an hour and 15 minute endeavor. This was a week-long endeavor. And so we are privileged to worship God because we are in Christ. And do you take advantage of this worship through your own private means? Whether it's you worshiping at home, wherever it is, outside, on your porch, in nicer weather? With your families reading God's word and praying together? My friends, don't take your ability to worship God lightly. And men, fathers, continue to push your families unto that end as long as you can. It may not be every day, fine. It may not be for 15 minutes, fine. But fathers, lead your families in worship. And, 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 and when we say worship, that sounds like we are our family altar and all these kind of things. I'm not talking about it that way. If you want to come to our house, and, and hopefully we're going to have you over at our house, and, and you can see that we have anything but a family altar time. I have four little kids. And I have one that I can't discipline because she can't stay still for ten minutes as we read it. Just one chapter <laughs> of God's Word. So it's kind of chaotic. Most of you would leave because you're like, I can't concentrate. But it's doing it because we have access to do it. So do it, my friends. For those of you who are single ladies, we love you and we're praying for you. Continue to lead your families that way. If you're single, it's okay. Lead yourself that way. And for those of you who will have families someday, you will be so thankful you began that discipline in your life. For those of you who are on the other side of it, that's okay. Encourage families. Get in, adopt a family. And show them how to do it. I encourage you. It's a, it's a powerful thing for us as a corporate body and for us as each individual member to have access to the God of heaven to worship him. And so we're going to skip the rest of that and we're going to move to the last the last reality. The last doctrine that touches our living. That is sanctification. Sanctification is about how we live, isn't it? It's about what we do with our life. Colossians chapter 2 says that we, as we've received Jesus Christ, we should walk in him. We should live in him. We should we should have our being in him. Our life, our life should look like his life. You can write there, if you're taking notes, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25, how we are to bear the fruit of the Spirit. And sanctification is not an optional thing for the believer. To be looking more like Jesus Christ is a mandate for those who are in Christ Jesus. So bearing the fruit of the Spirit, all the fruit of the Spirit, is a mandate, not perfection, but should be a present and increasing reality for those of us who are in the Lord Jesus Christ. As well as you can write down 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 18 and 19, where we're not only to walk in the Spirit, but we're also to, to not walk in the flesh. 
we could make application, but we're going to close. And we've looked at four proofs and doctrines of being in Christ Jesus. Salvation, sonship, worship, and sanctification. We must be reminded that these are not just merely doctrines, but this is the way of life for us as Christians. And I want to ask you this morning, as we move to 2024, is this true of you? Are you in Jesus Christ? Do you enjoy the strength of his salvation? Do you enjoy the privileges of being a son and daughter? Do you enjoy and bind yourself up even when you don't feel like it like Pastor Mike this morning? Do you, do you bind yourself up to worship God? And is your life demonstrating through the fruit of the Spirit and the mortification of the flesh that's a fancy way of saying putting death to flesh? Does your life demonstrate that you are in Jesus Christ? Does it show it in the way that you celebrate? Does it show it in the privacy of your home? Does it show it with the familiarity of your workplace? The stage of the New Testament properly set is being in Jesus Christ. And we can celebrate what we have in 2023 and what we will have in 2024 because it's by his doing that we're in Jesus Christ. We can be strengthened in the truths of salvation, marvel at the privileges of sonship, be careful and confident in our worship and grow in our sanctification because we are in Jesus Christ. May we not get too familiar with those common words. Our Father, this morning we do ask that you would you would be pleased with this feeble attempt and I fear that any attempt would unnecessarily be unable to describe what it means for us to be in Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we walk into a new year. That if there's any in this room that do not know what it means truly to be in Christ Jesus, not about him, not around him, but in him through salvation. Oh, Father, I pray that, that you would, even today, before the new year, bring one to Christ. Oh, Lord, help us to be strengthened in our salvation this year. 
through our opportunity to marvel at being a family member, a child, a son, a daughter. And that will never change of the God of heaven. Help us to to marvel at those privileges and to look like, increasingly look like, we belong in your family. Lord, help us this year as we look to worship you, both in our corporate ways and in our private family ways. Help us to be faithful. Lord, no doubt there are many this year who sought to read through the Bible at a certain pace, and along the year they they got sidetracked. Lord, help them to not be discouraged by that, but help them to renew their strength again, to pick up a plan and, and to try and, and to take comfort in no matter whether they succeed in a plan or not. It's not about the, the success of the process. It's just about spending time with you so that you can, you can change us and make us more like your dear son. So, Lord, help us to worship you and to do it unwavingly, to do it without fear, and to do it unfailingly, Lord. And Lord, help us to demonstrate through our salvation, through our sonship, through our worship of you, that our life is about living in the fruit of the Spirit and having amazing access to you through him so that we no longer have to walk according to the flesh, but we can bear love and joy and peace and patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. All these things men try to do on their own, in their own strength, and yet will fail. Lord, we pray that you would help us, even in our failure, through the Spirit, to demonstrate these fruits, and increasingly so this year. Lord, we pray for all those church plants that we've had access, a uh, privilege to um, uh, encourage and help. Lord, we think of Pastor Greenfield and his church as we look at the, the amazing blessing of a building that they're now into this year and, and we pray for them in the new year that they would be strong in their salvation and that they would have great opportunity to focus now on reaching their community for the Lord Jesus Christ and that you would encourage in them in disciple making efforts Lord we pray for a church just down the road here from us our dear friends dear saints in the Lord, Bible community that is going into this new year without a pastor. We pray for them and so many other churches like that this year or this coming year. Lord, we ask that you would provide for them the gifts and abilities that you've promised to them to shepherd them, to love them, and to guide them. Lord, we pray that you would help us be faithful for another 75 years and we're thankful for the 75 you've given to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.